This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, we're back. Uh, we were just doing this last night, a two-commitment night for Illinois football on Sunday night. But Monday, even better, is they get four Kind of one, two, three, four commitments on this day. Not a perfect day as one of their top targets heads to a Big Ten rival. But welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. We have assembled the crew once again. It's Jeremy Warner, Ryan Easterling, and Joey Wagner. So Luke Williams decides to go to Purdue. But other than that, this is one of the best Illinois football recruiting days that I can remember in quite some time. I'll throw it to you here, Ryan, but I just want to recap for everyone, Tyshawn Griffin, Morgan Park uh, out of Chicago, athletes play the slot for Illinois. Uh, he's a top 500 prospect in the country, top 12 prospect in the state. He commits to Illinois. Eddie Turk, a top 500 prospect, top 12 prospect in the state out of Lions Township. Offensive slash defensive lineman, not sure yet where he'll play. He's not sure yet where he'll play, uh, but he's a good lineman. He's hopped on board with Illinois. Three-star wide receiver out of Tennessee, Carlos Orr, hops on board. And we delayed the podcast not only because my daughter was uh, having a little tantrum, but also because we were waiting for three-star offensive lineman, Zafir Stewart, who announces his commitment out of Pennsylvania. Yes, Ryan, that is four. That's uh, We're, we're kind of going back and forth on text message. That's the best uh, Illinois football recruiting day since when? Oh, man, it's probably been a while. I mean, they've had a few – Small days, like early in the Lovey Smith period where they got Ricky Small and Kendall Smith. Had that great uh, visit day on campus. and But I, I can't think of a time short of maybe some of the Zook signing days where they've had this kind of success in such a short period of time, um, just landing some of their, their key targets. So, you know, this is this was – I mean, they, they built the weekend up big, and this was the kind of result they were expecting from it, and they delivered, I'd say, for the most part. I mean, you mentioned it. Luke Williams gets away, and I know there's a lot of people that have heartburn over that. But they went six, six of seven, essentially, on the guys that have committed thus far out of that weekend. That's pretty dang good. And they got a lot of them to commit quick. Like, there are some other guys that are still taking visits, so it's not all said and done yet. But – They've had seven guys that visited this weekend make commitments, and six of them were to Illinois. So uh, that's a pretty good hit rate. Yeah, Joe, I was gonna I was gonna head there. Um, we talked about what's going to be their hit rate last year was sixteen of twenty four on these official visits. So far, six of the guys who visited of the fourteen uh, have committed to Illinois, 
uh, that's a pretty good start, and we'll see what happens in, in the coming weeks with guys like Carson Conkle, Ricky Knight, Darian Dupree, um, Xavier Lucas, right? But uh, that's a pretty good start, and we talked about you got to start the class, you got to fill it out here. All of a sudden, you're up to eight commitments just like that. Or nine, sorry, it's nine commitments. <laughs> Joey, you are muted. <laughs> Man, 20, okay, going, we're back, all, going back we're all, to April of 2020 over here. We're all still trying to figure out technology. I know, it's new to me. Um, look, when a, the program puts so much stock into these visits, and if you really distill it, like we talk about the month of June, but this year you've got to you distill it down to really two. It was last weekend, and then not this weekend, but coming up. Like You've got to have a high hit rate, and I, I think it tells you a lot about maybe where they feel they stand uh, when they decide to bring in official visitors now you're going to take some hail mary shots right i mean that, that's remember a few years ago they brought in michael riley ducker the tight end who mm-hmm. auburn ended up being where he went like that was a hail mary you you've got enough visits you can take a couple of those but i think when you start seeing like what we know and have enough of a body of work about how this staff goes that if someone's coming here for an official visit that's not like a sign that says hey they're going to commit like you should know that you need to monitor that one. If that's your jam and you like to monitor recruiting, like that's one you want to monitor uh, throughout that commitment and, and when they announce. But yeah, big hit rate. Like obviously the big one that they lost, that, that's going to stink. They, they wanted him. He's an in-state guy. But they had a really good day. And they got yeah. guys, I know we'll get into them, that they hadn't been in these battles. They hadn't won these battles. You're starting to see that kind of turn. And that's a natural progression of programs coming around, getting built, the pitches changes, all that change. And now you're starting to see Illinois maybe reap some more rewards of some of those. Yeah, let's hit on the Luke Williams thing really quickly. Um, that's a heck of a gift for Ryan Walters. To come into Illinois, into a different state, and steal one of the top ten prospects, that, that's a heck of a get for Ryan Walters and his young staff. And I think the fact that Kevin Kane and Ryan Walters were the go-to recruiters for Illinois in their pursuit of Luke Williams certainly helped them. Uh, and I think Ryan Walters sold to a safety. And I think his personal relationship with Luke really paid off here. And I think it was a really savvy move to bring in the brother. Uh, Zeke Williams is a transfer preferred walk-on. So that one stings uh, for Illinois. Like, that certainly stings and is painful for a program that's trying to win more of these high-level recruitments. To have your former staff members win that one and steal it from under you uh, certainly stings for Illinois. I do think, Ryan... And Illinois is confident they will land good defensive backs. They'll probably just go down to Florida and get some guys who are similarly talented. But Luke Williams is a really good prospect. So, I mean, whether you care about the optics of it or not, uh, they wanted him. So to lose him to a first-year head coach and their former staff members, uh, not great, but I, I do think that's a it, – it doesn't blunt to me what is a really good day for Illinois. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one because it was probably a razor-thin margin between the two schools. You know, he didn't really let on a lot as far as where he was leaning along the way. But, I mean, it seemed like he was torn, and he took all of his time. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that relationship won out. The opportunity to play for the guy who's now his head coach that was his would have been his position coach at Illinois, was his lead recruiter at Illinois. They had Kevin Kane, who has had a lot of success recruiting the suburbs of Chicago, and so he was probably an instrumental part in that as well. So 
you know, it's a, it's a tough one to stomach because it's a four-star in-state guy, and it's one of the guys that you had a legitimate shot at, and it just didn't pan out. But, you know, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, it you hate to see him go to, again, it's just like with Walters getting the job at Purdue, you hate to see him go to a conference rival if you're Illinois. But, Jeremy, I mean, I, they've had such a great sell with these defensive backs, and you look at some of the other talented players they've either already had visited or already had visit or have lined up to visit on the next big official visit weekend – they're going to get somebody that's going to be a good player. And they've already gotten a handful of defensive backs that are really good players that could go out there and play free safety. So, you know, they've got that sell in place. It's just the the first guy that they really wanted to prioritize who checked all the boxes, decided to go somewhere else. And yeah. if you're Bielema, unless you really want to take another Hail Mary at it at some point, you move on and you, and you just target somebody else and get somebody in the fold that is going to be that reliable player for you at that position and get it taken care of. Yeah, so Skip brings up the question. So we've lost out on our four-star in-state targets, landed a bunch of lower-rated guys we were supposed to get. Why the hype? Uh, that's, that's you know, putting They got it, six commitments in 24 hours. Yeah, if you're not going to get overly excited about Carlos Orr, who I think is a good, solid prospect, is a wide receiver, but the other three guys are huge gets. Maybe they don't have the four-star, but Eddie Turk and Tyshawn Griffin – our top 12 in-state guys, Joey, who in my opinion, I, I have the top 600, 650 is four-star prospects. Those, to me, are four-star level prospects. Look at their offer list. Eddie Turk just took an official visit to Northwestern, and he was going to have one go to Miami. You landed him. Tyshawn Griffin had offers from a ton of Power 5 schools. Louisville, Maryland, uh, Purdue uh, was in on Tyshawn Griffin. Tennessee had offered and been really interested. Wisconsin had been offered and, and been interested. Uh, those are steps forward for this Illinois football program that just did not win a lot of in-state recruitments like this. We are only three years removed from Illinois signing zero in-state prospects. They are now landing some of the top 15 guys regularly. So it's just another sign, especially those two, Joe, and we'll, got, we'll dive into what they add, but it's just another sign of, of their progress in-state, specifically with those guys. And then Zafir Stewart uh, had had a monster offer list as well. You know, Penn State was – I don't know if that was a school that was really going to land him because they had five uh, offensive line commits, but, you know, Nebraska, a bunch of other power five programs had offered him as well. Yeah, I, I think if we want to focus on um, Tyshawn Griffin and Eddie Turk, so I, I saw someone post on, on the boards earlier, like, is this a guy that Illinois would have gotten five years ago? And probably not, let's be honest. But I don't even think you have to look back five years. Like, those two kind of represent, just as Malik Elzey did, like, they represent just how those pitches evolve. Like, Illinois got in early. Jeremy, it feels like before games, you talk Eddie Turk for, like, two years uh, on the sidelines at Illinois. Like, they built those. Go ahead. Yeah, you, you, well, you just said five years ago. I, I wonder about two years ago. I don't know if either of these two are in 22 or 23 if it gets done. And that's yeah. not saying, like, the staff has gotten exponentially better since those years, but everything is kind of rounded out. Like, especially a guy like Eddie Turr. Is he going to play offensive line, defensive line? Still to be decided, but you've shown you can develop those guys. You've shown you can give those guys at both positions a chance to make the jump. You've recruited well. You've built those relationships. And you've won football games. Like, if I remember right, Jeremy, there was a time when you talked to Eddie before a game and – like, yeah, winning mattered to him. Seeing this mm -hmm. program take that step forward what was meaningful to him. It's like those two just kind of paint how this has changed and evolved. And like that's what you want to see if you're a fan of a program is you're in more of those. You know, you, First you were in the battles, you lost, and maybe you won a couple, and now you're starting to assert yourself a little bit more. And, and when you prioritize the state like Illinois has done, 
Like that resonates. Yeah. Like it might sound, it's not basketball where AAU teams are so like close quartered, but like these guys all know each other. They see each other places like, whether it be like Caden Fagan knew people from all over. It's not just like, oh, Chicago land. No, like everyone kind of knows everyone. So when you have other guys pitching your program, a Malik Elzey pitching yes. your pro- program, Caden, like all of that matters. So big picture, like these two, like this is what you want to see if you're a fan of how the recruit pitch changes. And this is why you have to recruit the state. Like e- even if like everyone will tell you, even high school coaches in the area and people that are involved in these recruitments, like the state is a little overrated. Like some of these guys get a little overrated sometimes when they're from Chicago compared to like Brett Carroll, who might be a four-star prospect if you were in Chicagoland. Um, but you still need to recruit your state because these guys all talk to each other. So if you don't recruit them regularly, develop those relationships and have in-state kids in your program, you're probably not landing anybody else. So it all feeds on each other, just like Jared Beatty and Ian Pugh and all those guys were, were friends together. That gave you a better chance with Luke Williams, didn't end up getting him. But Henry Boyer is close to Eddie Turk. Eddie Turk's family knows the Kramers, Doug Kramer's family. Like They all have good things to say. And then Eddie saw what Illinois is doing on the field. I don't think a year ago Illinois was in his top two or three, but they kept recruiting him hard. He came here on campus several times. He saw Illinois beat Wisconsin in person in Madison, and they kept coming here on visits. And obviously he's got some family connections here, but it all all adds up. But, Ryan, I want to start. We usually start with the quote-unquote sexy positions, okay? But But here's the beef. Right, like here comes the beef to Illinois with Zafir Stewart and Eddie Turk. They're doing a great job in the trenches in this class. We talked about Demetrius John, uh, a defensive line last night. Angel McComb is in this class. Brandon Hansen, the first commit in this class out of Mundelein, just a monster. Um, and, and now they add two more legit Power Five linemen. Let's start uh, with Eddie Turk. What do you think he adds to Illinois, whether it's offensive line or defensive line? Well, big shocker that Brett Bielema would prioritize alignment. Um, you know, I, I think what he brings to the program is that versatility. Um, you know, I, I really like his tape as an offensive lineman. I, I think Bart Miller would love to get him as an offensive lineman. Uh, but I'm sure Terrence Jameson will be in there pitching his case too for, for having as a defensive lineman. And it may just depend on what sort of personnel they, they end up getting with the rest of the class. Um, you know, he had a pretty – he's a pretty good um, – gap shooting guy you know he's he's maybe not necessarily like a total run stuffer as defensive tackle but he's he's just so strong and powerful and he gets so low on on the defensive side of the ball that he's tough to stop um but I think what makes him good on defense is a lot of the same things that makes him really good on offense and you know he is just he's a he'll stone um pass rushers or stone defenders he's got great leverage he gets up underneath and gets his hands up and kind of um, you know really dislodges defenders takes them out of the rush uh, really good pass protector he, he runs superbly in space yeah. uh, super athletic guy for his size and so you know I, I think he's he's got that versatility I the comparison I made when I when I looked at his film was Kendrick Green Love that, I by the way. see <laughs> I see so many similarities he was a guy that you know, was originally listed as a center coming out of high school, and then Kendrick went and played um, defensive tackle for a hot second, and then he came back and he played left guard at Illinois and just absolutely tore it up. Yeah. He was an all-conference player, and I see some of the similarities in a guy like Eddie Turk just in 
that he you know he's got experience on both sides of the ball but I think where he really excels could potentially be at like a left guard spot just like Kendrick Green I say you know if the script's written follow it I mean yeah I, I like it, but they may need to put him somewhere else just out of need. I think he could play three technique on defense, too. Um, I, people want to ask me my opinion on this. Like I, I think he could play both. I, I think he could play either. Um, he's not going to play both at the same time. But I, I just think he's got the skill set. He's athletic. He's quick off the ball. He's smart. He's got great uh, technique. Joey, I think whether it's Terrence Jamison, who is having a nice recruiting class, so far uh I, I think this is a really good job by him and then bart miller kind of came in towards the end illinois was recruiting him as a defensive lineman all along more schools were showing interest in him as an offensive lineman eddie i think prefers defensive line at least has to this point but he started to want to know more about offensive line and uh illinois really did a great job in, in april and then again on this june visit of saying listen if you want to be an offensive lineman brett bielma bart miller like they've, they've done a pretty good job of this so I, I can see him playing center left guard three technique whatever it is he's just a damn good football player yeah that's not a bad problem to have and you, and you have a kid who didn't i guess we should start with saying like which was what we thought they have two good pitches in the, like on both sides of the ball in the trenches. Like that is a meaningful thing for Illinois football to have. And then you get a kid who is still sorting it out, which maybe you, you hear that and you think, uh, well, which one is it? That'll be sorted out. But he committed to Illinois. He didn't commit to be an offensive lineman at Illinois. He didn't commit to be a defensive lineman. Like that's a that's a pretty telling thing about where your program is. Uh, it's not that he's trying to be the next, as Ryan pointed out the comparison, Kendrick Green, or he's trying to be the next Keith Randolph or, like he just wants he wants to be at Illinois, and, and you've got the pitches to make that an attractive option for him. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Zafir Stewart is a monster of a man. I, I look at him. I watch some of his film. 6'4", 320. He might be a little taller than that, seems like. But it looks like he's got the flexibility to play tackle and guard. Had offers from you know, a bunch of Power 5 programs. I'll, I'll list them off here. Boston College, Cincinnati, Maryland, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, West Virginia, Remember three or four years ago under Lovey Smith, the offensive line recruiting that was happening now, Illinois just keeps stacking these Power 5 battles. So what do you think Zafir Stewart adds uh, for Illinois? Well, he's he's a big, strong, powerful dude. I mean, he's kind of in that same vein as some of these other bigger offensive linemen that has brought in. Maybe not quite as big as like Chrysler, but it's that same style like a Desmond Schuster they're they're getting bigger body guys I mean Hunter Whitenack came in at 6'8 320 Mountainous Moeller is like 6'9 300 they're getting some huge dudes um but they're getting guys that can move uh you know Zafir Stewart he, he's a tiny bit heavy on his feet but he moves really well for his size and you know I, he plays a lot of left tackle for Emotep I I don't know if he's going to play left tackle at the next level I'm thinking maybe right tackle right guard potentially start him at guard and then eventually move him out to tackle kind of once he gets his legs under him but I mean he's a guy that just when he gets his hands on somebody it's over like he'll he'll bury him he'll control them he's just so big and strong um he'll have to get a little bit more flexible but I mean for his size like I said all things considered and, and all things relative for his size he moves really well um I think he's got a great pass pro set already um, we'll just need to adjust a little bit just as at the next level, the pass rushers are going to be more advanced. They're going to be faster, more athletic. So he will need to kind of progress along that curve. But, I, I mean, you look at it, there's a reason so many programs wanted him, and Illinois was able to 
get him to commit right after the visit and keep him from going and seeing some of those other schools. You know, he originally had several other visits scheduled, and Illinois was his first official visit, and day day and a half later, yeah. shuts it down. Joey, you think of uh, Bart Miller's first class of prep guys. You know, Hunter Whiteneck didn't have another Power 5 offer. I think Cincinnati, uh, is he did have. Joey Oko didn't at the time. Clayton Leonard didn't at the time. Mountus Moore had Louisville. Then last year, T.J. McMillan, several Power 5 offers. Brandon Henderson, who Zephyr Stewart reminds me a little bit of, several Power 5 offers. Zach Amlin, several Power 5 offers. And now you add Brandon Hansen, who uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share Penn State, Georgia, some other programs wanted him to camp here recently. Uh, so Illinois got a good one there. He seems all in on Illinois. Uh, but then to add Zephyr Stewart and potentially Eddie Turk, uh, Bart Miller's doing a pretty good job. Yeah, we, we thought that was going to be the case when Brett Bielema was hired. So they were probably going to get linemen, uh, and they are. But you, you're seeing the the battles. I don't know that I want – like quality feels weird to say, but you're seeing the, the, the battles and some of the, the fights that are in for those guys improve. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Brandon Henderson because both long guy – I mean, there, there are some similarities there, so much so that Brandon Henderson was Zafir Stewart's host uh, during the official visit. That wasn't by – accident but yeah you're seeing that and go up I, I don't know Jeremy and we don't know it obviously it'll change but how many more offensive linemen are they interested in taking this cycle and I think it would also maybe be not to put you guys on the spot but maybe be beneficial to sort out who we think are more interior and who are more tackles all right let's go there well they lose Julian Pearl Jordan Slaughter Isaiah Adams so I think that sets up for three I think that that sets up usually for three offensive linemen. There could be attrition, and they add one. That's they've always kind of added offensive linemen uh, from what they expected. So there there could be a fourth here. Uh, they would love Brett Carroll, uh, who mm-hmm. just visited. I caught up with him. Been a busy day. I'll have that update in the next twenty four hours or so. Caleb Pyfrom is visiting, supposed to visit later this month. He's a great tackle prospect. I think it's gonna be difficult to land him, but they would certainly take him and I think that's what maybe Eddie Turk depends on here uh Hanson I think they originally wanted as a guard but he's kind of shown some more nimble feet here recently in his workouts I think him and Zafir Stewart can both play guard or tackle Hanson reminds me a little bit of White Knack Stewart reminds me of Henderson both those guys I think have guard tackle flexibility Carroll's certainly a guard so I think right now Stewart would probably be my most likely to play tackle, to be honest with you, just because of his feet. Uh, Hanson, I think, can because of his size and his length. I, I think he could be a right tackle. Uh, and then I think if, if they got Carroll, he'd be inside. Turk would be inside. You disagree with any of that, Ryan? No. I mean, I and I go back to it every time. Uh, Brett Carroll is a state champion track and field guy and shot put. He's a state champion wrestler, which Stunned. if you've been on our site for any period of time, you know how I feel about guys that excel on the mat. Um, you know, those those are the guys that understand leverage, know how to move people around. And, you know, he, he's just a blue-collar, southwest of Kansas City kind of guy. Um, and, you know, no frills, just show up with your lunch pail and go to work. And so if you watch this tape, too, I mean, it's, it's just as evident. You watch a lot of the guys that were standout high school wrestlers, and he's kind of in that same vein where, uh, you know, he's he just knows how to get somebody and open up running lanes. So... 
I, yeah, I, you you have three guys that you know for sure are going to graduate. You might have more attrition, but I, I mentioned this on our board earlier when somebody was talking about this. If they have another offensive lineman that they really believe in and want to take, they'll find a way to make it work. Yeah. I mean, because you'll have guys that don't pan out, and that's that's just kind of the, the catch-22 of offensive line recruiting is you can get a lot of big guys, but the hit rate on offensive linemen, and, and this isn't just an evaluation-only thing. Like Things happen but they don't always pan out and you've got to be ready to have depth there and you've got to put five guys out there regardless. So to get those five guys plus some, some depth of those positions, you got to take yeah. a lot of players. Well, I, I want to bring this up. They currently have 16 scholarship offensive linemen. I remember times during the, the Lovey Smith era, that was like nine, 10. Um, mm. And then quarterback would be like six. This staff usually keeps three or four quarterbacks and they get some walk-ons who they think can add depth, but offensive line and the secondary man, like they put a ton of scholarships into those guys. And I, I do think it's it's about depth. It's about the hit rate, Ryan. I think you're mentioned some guys just don't pan out. Some guys are more developmental prospects. But Joey, they are building depth. When you think of next year, your offensive line will have Zach Chrysler, Josh Crute, Zach Barlow, Josh Geske, Hunter Whiteneck, Desmond Schuster, Will Lease, Joey Okla, Clayton Leonard, Mountis Moeller, T.J. McMullen. Uh, Brandon Henderson, Zachary Amwin, Brandon Hanson, Zafir Stewart, maybe Eddie Turk. That's a lot of, a lot of Power Five offers in there. A lot of big bodies. It is, and to your point, I'm glad you mentioned offensive line and defensive backs. Those are the two most, like, or, or probably like the strongest fingerprints that this staff has to this point, uh, positionally. Like, the only Lovey era, Lovey staff guys on the offensive line are Slaughter, Jordan Slaughter, Julian Pearl, and you can count the three. Uh, richer sophomores now at this point, Josh Kurtz, Zach Barlow, and Josh Geske. Defensive line is not much di- or defensive backfield, excuse me, is not much different. Now, a lot of that happened because a lot of those guys made the jump, or Devin Witherspoon went early. Uh, but you're starting to see, at least on the offensive line, this staff's fingerprints on what they're looking for. And, and to Ryan's point earlier, generally speaking, quite large individuals, which sounds stupid to say about offensive line because you want that, but like, they are getting really, really big guys at that position. So you're starting to get a little more taste of what this staff wants on that part on that position group. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I feel really good about starting on the lines. Uh, that's That should be expected out of this podcast. But let's get to the playmakers, guys. Ryan Tyshawn Griffin, Illinois, has been recruiting for two full years. He was one of the early guys that we knew was going to be a Power 5 prospect in the city of Chicago. And for a second straight year, Illinois wins a big uh, Chicago Public League recruitment. Last year was Malik Elzey. This year, Tyshawn Griffin. Talked with Tyshawn yesterday. Adding Malik Elzey was, was big. 
uh, for him just to see another guy do that. But uh, they built a relationship. George McDonald's has done a fantastic job uh, of recruiting his wide receiver room. But what do you think of what Tyshawn Griffin out of Morgan Park adds the Illinois wide receiver crew? Yeah, I mean, I started my film piece on on Griffin by saying, you know, he's really done it all at Morgan Park. He's played running back. He's played a little bit of wildcat quarterback. He's been a receiver. He's played defensive back. You know, he he worked out at a few camps this this spring as a defensive back, and I thought there might be a chance that he could play corner at the next level. But when you look at what he does with the ball in his hand, whether it's as a receiver, as a wildcat quarterback, maybe taking jet sweeps, things like that, punt returner, kick returner, you know, I, I think the special teams phase of the game is important to mention here too um he's just an explosive athlete he's not the biggest guy out there he's not the strongest guy out there but he's just got that speed that that's tough to teach and he's got a great knack for for getting to space getting to open space and and getting chunk plays and so that i think is where his biggest value can be i mean illinois got a couple of good slot receivers on the roster right now but i mean it's probably isaiah williams last year uh, Canary Welcher is still young. He enrolled early, so that helped give him a bit of a head start. But they're going to need a little bit more at slot receiver in the long run. Um, Hank Beatty is kind of more of a, I don't want to call him a possession slot receiver, but he's not necessarily a guy that's going to just stretch the field down the seam um, the way that a guy like Griffin can. So I think he brings an, an added dimension and kind of fills in a little bit of the void that Isaiah Williams is going to be leaving when he moves on. Yeah, and Isaiah Williams was a big sell here. Uh, Isaiah's nickname is One, so is Tyshawn Griffin's. He wears number one, so he could just slide right into that jersey number if he wants to, and if Illinois lets him, Joey. Uh, but slot receiver, man, they've done a really good job of building that position up. You know, and, and you have Griffin behind Beatty and Wiltshire. They're very high on. So post-life uh, of Isaiah Williams, who's probably going to lead the team receiving for a third straight year, uh, George McDonald's put together a pretty good room there. Yeah, and, he, and he's done it in a way that you've kind of staggered ages a little bit uh, with Hank Beatty, now Canary Wiltshire, and, and into Tyshawn Griffin. So you're, you kind of let that development happen naturally, and, and then you, if you get a guy who like a Griffin, or if we know Canary Wiltshire got a lot of buzz, who comes in and takes time and, and earns those spots, and that's good for Illinois football. Uh, but they've done uh, – that's a really impressive. That room was bad when this coaching staff took over. There wasn't depth. There wasn't – a lot of high-end talent. I mean, it was just a, it wasn't a very good room. And they've completely rebuilt it and <laughs> almost similar, like Bielema gets in the trenches, right? And then you build the team inside out. Like, they've kind of built this receiver room inside out. Um, Isaiah Williams is a quarterback. When they got there, you go put him in there. Then you had a Beatty, a Wiltshire, and now Tyshawn Griffin. That's, that's important. And, and like, in this offense, I, I think they need guys in the slot who, as Ryan mentioned, can, can get down the seam or can make guys miss. You need that elusive guy. Uh, and Isaiah Williams having that tape to show Tyshawn Griffin and say, see, like this, mm-hmm. there's so many similarities. That's a huge pitch. And look, I mean, think about this. So like that doesn't happen if they don't move him from quarterback in spring of 21. Yeah. And, and I mean, the offer list was, was really impressive here. Um, Wisconsin, Tennessee, were kind of in the mix. Purdue, Missouri, Michigan State, Louisville, Kansas State, Iowa State, Cincinnati, like, that's a that's a good recruiting win in the state for Illinois and speed got to have speed and Barry Loney, uh showed last year that he can use Isaiah Williams pretty well I, I think he could be used even better uh, I think he can use even more as this offense uh, matures so the fact that they actually have a sell that you can land Malik Elzey and Tyshawn Griffin in back-to-back classes uh, is really impressive all right I think we all expected Illinois at some point was going to land 
Carlos Orr, but he is on board. Illinois, the only Power Five offer for the six foot four wide receiver out of Tennessee. Uh, not a surprise here, but add more length to this wide receiver room, which they've done the last couple of years with Elsie, Colin Dixon, Ashton Hollins, Ian Pugh. Now you had Carlos Orr, who's actually a little bit bigger strength wise than, than some of those other players outside of uh, at least Hollins and, and Pugh coming in. Yeah, and he's got a big catch radius. Um, you know, they've had some taller receivers in the past under under Beckman, under Cubit, but they weren't really as athletic as, as Orr is. You know, Orr, I think you see that big body and you maybe underestimate his speed, but he, I think he's a legitimate 4-5 guy. I know he lists himself as a 4-5 time in the 40, but he, he looks like he, he can actually run away from guys. I mean, he's got that long stride that covers a lot of ground with each step. And surprising change of direction. You know, there are a lot of big guys who take a long time to to change direction because they got to slow that weight down, or maybe they can't cut as hard. He he can change direction really well, and, and he doesn't necessarily need to do like a hard cut or anything. It's just he's got great body control that allows him to kind of get his defender moving one way and then shake back the other way. But um, you know, he can stretch the field. He he's a guy that can run routes inside, outside. I, I th- he can go up and win the contested ball. You know, no slide on his quarterback, but there are a few of the throws on his film here that the ball is a bit underthrown, and he's able to come back, recognize how the ball has been thrown, and come back and, and go up over the defensive back and get it. But with that size and his ability to jump and track the ball and catch it away from his body, I mean, I, I think this might be a bit of a steal. He's probably. If I had to say of, of any of the guys in the class, outside of maybe Brandon Hansen, I'd say he's probably one of the more underrated guys in this class because when I watched this tape, I was like, how does this guy only have one Power 5 offer, and that's Illinois? Like, I know that Gatlinburg's probably not the most over-recruited area in the world, but like this guy, his tape's good enough, and he was a 1,000-yard receiver, and how's he just – I don't understand how he doesn't have at least some like mid-level offers or at least some other Power 5 offers. Yeah, he reminds me of a quicker, faster Sam Mays, maybe. Remember Sam Mays? Like, just huge, but Sam was not the fastest guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just felt like he, he gave me some of those vibes. He's just a little quicker uh, than Sam was. Joey, I mean, we've written about this a lot. The revamping of this, you know, receiver room has been pretty epic here. <laughs> um, you know, you got underclassmen now of Hank Beatty, who's a sophomore, and then the rest – Freshman Ian Pugh, Ashton Holland, Sean Miller, all redshirt freshmen. Colin Dixon, Canary Wilcher, Malik Elzey, all true freshmen. Now you're bringing in Tyshawn Griffin and Carlos Orr behind it. I don't think wide receiver is going to be a great strength next year, maybe, unless Malik Elzey and Hank Beatty and all those guys, Canary Wilcher, are ready to go. But I can see wide receiver being a strength at Illinois in a couple of years. I think their starters are good now. They just don't have a lot of depth there. But George McDonald's done a really good job of adding talent here. You're, you're on mute, Joey. Second time. What a nightmare. Do we need a um, mute jar to where you have to put like a buck in every time you're on mute? It's, yeah, tab me up if you don't mind. <laughs> um, yeah, again, this, this wasn't a very good group when this coaching staff took over. And I'm with you. I, I like the long term. I like the short term. We've talked about this a lot. Intermediate term, is, meaning 2024, 25, maybe a little on the back end of that. I do wonder what that's going to look like because you have some of these guys, um, Ian Pugh and Ashton Holland, and you had a Carlos Orr. Um, you're going to need some wait time, right? And, and like you, you got to get bigger. So what's the timeline 
look like there. But in terms of talent, like they, they've added and they've had some good recruiting wins uh, in the way that they've added to this wide receiver room. And George McDonald, like it, this is a guy, like I'm with Ryan. The Power Five offer thing is interesting because this isn't, I don't know, October and George McDonald is going all in on prioritizing him. It's like late May now into June, and we've seen him really circle Carlos Orr as a guy that's his guy. And like that should tell you something. Yeah. Like this isn't a late, like, oh no, we need a wide receiver. This is. This is someone he prioritized pretty early in the process, and they moved to close down pretty early in the process. I mean, in the, friends of our, in the words of our friend Tom Fornelli, will it work? I don't know, but, like, you have to read what how this has happened until that tells you what they think of him. Yeah. Ryan, did you have anything to add? Okay. I was just saying, I mean, like, Joey, to your point, multiple visits to his high school, and they, they got him on campus, and there was it's no hesitation. Like, they, they went in on him, they believed in him, and – you know, we'll see how it works out long term, but all the signs are there on the film, at least, that, that he can be yeah. good. I, I don't know what the level of competition is like down there, but I'd have to imagine they're not pushovers. Not so. bad football. Not bad football. No. Yeah, no, you, I mean, you don't want a class full of guys that you had to evaluate that didn't have Power 5 offers, right? It felt like towards the end of Lovey Smith, that's what we were getting. Like, you got to hit on all these evaluations. And, and for every Devin Witherspoon uh, and Sidney Brown, there's a bunch of offensive linemen that didn't work out. There's a bunch of maybe of this position, wide receiver. That was a big one. That didn't oh, work man. out. Oh, man, you remember the season where it was like 50 drops? Yeah, like that. Uh, 18, I think, right? That was was that? I think it was 2018. Uh, it was bad. That's why you got to get Power 5 wins. That's why recruiting rankings matter a little bit. They don't, they're not the end-all, be-all, but you don't want to be 68th. You don't want to be 72nd. You want to be with your peers and you want to win some of these power five recruitments and Illinois is getting that with a mix of evaluations. Uh, that's what you expect at a program like Illinois. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment. Every time they see it, blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, guys, let's kind of recap what the official visit weekend was. The guys who are uncommitted, Darian Dupree, Ricky Knight, defensive back out of Florida, Xavier Lucas, defensive back out of Florida, Brett Carroll, offensive lineman out of Kansas, Carson Conkle, tight end out of Pinckneyville. Joy, I'll go to you. Which one intrigues you most uh, that is that is uncommitted? or doesn't have to be like the guy that is most important, but just uh, the guy that intrigues you here. Yeah, I think you'd have to look at a defensive back um, because now it's starting to the point that you've built the trenches, you got your quarterback, you've added to the wide receiver room. Now you've got this pitch that that what's it going to look like? So uh, to me, it's a. I caught up with Ricky Knight. He still told me he's visiting Florida State and Miami. He's a guy who, top 500 guy, right? A guy who'd fall into Jeremy's, should be a four star, but there's not enough four star window. Uh, 
get him on campus. I believe that was his first official to just, Illinois. You, yeah. That was his first yeah, visit you, to Illinois, but yeah, it was his first. Yeah, his first visit. official visit this cycle. Um, you've got to pitch. You, you've got to pitch in Florida. You've got to pitch at the defensive back position. He's the guy who really intrigues me because I, I think at some point you're going to see either the net widen a little bit or, or or some of these guys start to pop because defensive back is something they're going to recruit the heck out of still. So who's going to be either the first one or like what what's he going to do? That that's what I I'm really interested in because we should also point out Austin Alexander, in-state cornerback, committed to Kansas today. He was scheduled for a visit later on this month. Uh, so so you're gonna I think you're going to probably start seeing in the course of the next ten to fourteen days, maybe fourteen to twenty one days, like some movement yeah. on that front. The thing that's interesting about Alexander is Illinois scheduled his official visit for the end of the month uh, when. And, and they prioritize getting these Florida guys on campus. So I think that tells you where their priority was. And Ricky Knight would be the highest-ranked player in this class. I know he doesn't have a four-star yet, but if you got a recruiting win over Miami and Florida State for a Florida defensive back who's a top 500 prospect, that's a four-star level get. So I know we get caught up in just having that four-star or not. Sabor Kareem does not change as a get for me just because he had a four star at the end of the thing. Like he's a great prospect, and Ricky Knight would be that level. I think Xavier Lucas, uh, he's a little underranked for his offer list, to be honest with you. Wisconsin's major there, Iowa is major in there, Florida State's been hanging around. Um, Ryan, who else really intrigues you that's left on this list? Just a real quick point before I forget. Yeah. The other thing too about you know about the rankings and everything and, and Ricky Knight, he's only 30 spots away from the four-star. You look right. at Luke Williams there, he's in the 420s. Ricky Knight's in the 450s. That's the difference, and, and it's it's not much. So, you know, he's, he's essentially a four-star caliber talent. The guy, though, that I'm interested in and to see where things go is Vernon Woodward. So Vernon Woodward goes to Wisconsin, makes a really unexpected commitment, probably another guy that's underrated, uh, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, he might be my the, favorite DB. They they're they're going after. Yeah, him. I mean, I mean he is awesome. he is scrappy as it comes, and I I just I something tells me that Wisconsin pledge doesn't stick. Now, when he makes his next move, we'll see. I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Wisconsin's probably going to want to try and hang on to him, but given what seemed like a pretty spur of the moment commitment, I I if I'm Illinois, I'm I'm going to just keep. Keep my foot on the gas there. Especially when he came and visited you. Just days after. Five days later. <laughs> yeah, and like the next day, he's back home posting photos of him working out with Illinois gloves at his feet. So, like, I, is he actually committed? I don't know. Yeah. What is We're still mean? also, we have to say, like, we, we've seen Illinois in recruiting battles with Luke Fickle. Like, we're still learning what that looks like in the Big Ten because – if you commit, like there are programs, Oklahoma, as we've covered at length uh, with Lane Jenkins, Illinois, like that doesn't really fly to commit and take an official somewhere. So like we're still trying to figure out what that means yeah. as it relates to some of these new coaching hires um, in the Big Ten and, and, you know, importantly, programs that Illinois is going up against. Yeah. So if they get Woodward, is that is that considered, what do they call that? Is it a, a flip? <laughs> flip? Is it a flip? We call Depends it on if you say it on Twitter or not. <laughs> Got to ask our Oklahoma friends uh, about that. I, yeah, yes. They're a little sensitive about that. I would imagine it is. Uh, who knew Illinois? Um, maybe didn't beat Purdue, but they beat Oklahoma for two guys. That's a pretty good my, month. Miami, and they're battling Miami for another one in, in Ricky Knight. That's right. That's right. Uh, one guy who really intrigues me, uh, I'll get to Darian Dupree here in a little bit, but Carson Conkle. 
Um, Joey and I have talked a lot about how he's this is all new to him. I, I, I seems like he's going to go through with his official visits, at least from what we've understood. Uh, he's got Michigan State planned. I don't know. We haven't been able to talk with him yet uh, if he's got any others. But, uh, man, to, if, if you don't get a four-star in-state kid, but you still end up with Tyshawn Griffin, Eddie Turk, you know, Brandon Hansen, who I think is going to rise in the rankings, and a guy like Carson Conkle, I think that's a pretty dang good um, you know, top 20-ish prospects haul for Illinois. Of course, you want to keep raising the bar, but I think those are really good players and positions of need, and he's got a high ceiling, I think. And I do think tight end is a position of need for this team. It's it's one where I, I feel like you still got to keep developing talent. Tip Ryman I like, uh, Henry Boyer I like, but they still got to keep developing talent behind those guys. But Darian Dupree, guys, Illinois had some work to do coming into this official visit. Uh, they understood that Wisconsin's kind of been the lean or the favorite or the thought of favorite here throughout. But uh, we'll see what happens with him next, Ryan. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there because he's got two really good Big Ten options if he wants to choose from in Wisconsin and Illinois. We've reached out to Darian, haven't been able to talk with him yet. But uh, if they were able to get him, that certainly would be a headliner uh, after missing out on Luke Williams. Well, and especially considering there's been a lot of sentiment that Wisconsin's got the lead right now. And so if Illinois is able to come in there, sway him or swing him and, and land him, I mean, they've got the, they've got a great running back sell too. Like, don't get me wrong, Wisconsin traditionally has had that running back sell, but that was under different coaches. And, I mean, Luke Fickle, they've had some solid run games in, at Cincinnati, and obviously when he was at Ohio State, he was on the other side of the ball. But, like, Brett Bielema has put running back after running back into the league. It's a position that is always going to get touches, and it's a position they can sell being a featured guy. And so maybe that's what helps close the gap. You know, again, we'll see what he does. If I, if it was me personally, and I was Dupree, I'd maybe take a little bit of time, see how things pan out, and not just rush into a decision. Um, you know, maybe he does end up taking another visit. Some of the schools that were originally recruiting him or did had offered him have have taken other players, like Notre Dame and Michigan have both taken running backs. So I don't I don't know if that's necessarily um, going to be any of the programs he looks at anymore. But maybe somebody else that's looking at him ends up getting him on a visit sometime later in the month. Um, you know, Illinois does have another four star running back taking a visit later this month in Khalil Valentine out of Arizona. So. I don't think that's going to drive Dupree's timeline. I think Dupree can kind of do what he wants in this case. But, you know, Illinois is hedging their bets there in, in having another backup plan, and it's a good backup plan. And I don't know that it's necessarily, a, you know, a fallback option per se, but right. they don't want to come away empty-handed and not get a playmaking running back in this class because they know the importance of the position in this offense. Yeah, Joey, this is what fascinates me now is you kind of like get away from this week and you get into the following week. Illinois doesn't have, to our knowledge yet, any official visitors uh, scheduled for next week. That could change. You know, we'll, we could talk about Marquise Lightfoot here at some point. They're trying to get him on an official visit. But you look at who's coming in next, and it might depend uh, if Illinois pushes or not or those guys come on their visits uh, based on, you know, who they got this week and who they can get in the coming week or and a half. Uh, before they set up this one. Like some of these DBs, if Illinois is able to land two of the other DBs, I don't know if they're hosting for visits. But I do think after this June 23rd weekend, we got these names up on our screen here on YouTube. Um, 
Some of these DBs out of Florida, they'll probably make a push for, and they could land some of those. Joe Barna out of um, Wheaton North is between Illinois and Wisconsin. Another Illinois-Wisconsin battle. Another edge rusher you could potentially bring in. And Ryan mentioned Khalil Valentine. That's that's probably a highlight one because if you don't get Dupree, but you're able to get Valentine, who's a four-star composite prospect, um, that'd be monstrous. So uh, it is interesting to, to see – Okay, spin forward. How do they wrap up this class with the next official visitor weekend? Yeah, I'm with you. And I think to wrap up this one, at least for the timing, I think there's a pause right now. I think the, the commits that were going to pop have popped, that they've announced. I think what you just reasonably look at the board. You could probably take a breath from this past weekend and start eyeballing. Do they add anyone next uh, this coming weekend? Jeremy, that's a good point. We, we don't know that to this point. And you start eyeballing what's next. And for this one, was the big in-state real in-state push and now you're starting to see uh, a little more geographically broader uh, set of visitors here but yeah do all these guys make it is that illinois decision do do some of these guys commit elsewhere and and, and cancel the rest of their visits as in the case of um and eddie turk you know what what's that look like so there's still a lot of room to go before that but it is time to start looking forward and i think by the end like at this time after that june 29th weekend we'll have a really good sense even if some of those other guys haven't popped when you start to see maybe where the acceleration is on some guys if some guys from that weekend pop you'll be able to kind of put some pieces together i do want to add those because i know ryan brought it up with the offensive linemen earlier i don't get the sense with this staff that they're in the true business of like turning someone away they really like because they took someone else um james Crutz is here Right, and he, they didn't plan to our knowledge in taking two linebackers in that class. We've seen like Bart Miller can add a dude here or there. Like you've earned, I think he's someone who's earned that. That's obviously a position there. So, like I know a lot of people ask, like, what are the numbers at X position or Y position? Like those are pretty flexible. So I think that's something worth monitoring. It's probably too early now, but as you get into that July, August, September yeah. portion, like they're not. Gonna, if they really, really want someone, that they're going to find a way to make that work. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest needs in this class certainly are, are DB. you got several spots you have to fill there. Um, obviously, they've added a lot of young talent. They've had some transfers this year. Um, running back, tight end, and edge rusher. Like th- Those are the four positions I'm, I'm really interested in. Maybe they add another offensive lineman. We talked about some of those guys. Uh, maybe they add another defensive lineman and, and add some more depth at some of these other positions. But you know, you you filled some some big needs: quarterback, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker. Ryan, you you checked off some some huge boxes here in the last several days. Yeah, and they're finally getting to the position I think now where you know they're not living paycheck to paycheck in terms of like class to class, right? They they've actually got some established depth on the roster to where they're stacking these classes. And Bielema likes to talk about stacking all the time. Like they're not just stacking days, they're stacking classes. Mm-hmm. And they're putting these classes together year after year after year and it's proper roster building. You know, it's something that past staffs either because of lack of continuity in, in coaching due to just, you know, coaches getting fired, coaches leaving, etc., changing of schemes. Like, it's been tough to do it, but now, like, there's this clear plan. There's a clear set scheme. They're able to build their personnel around it. You've got consistency and continuity, and they're able to get guys year over year to help build meaningful depth at multiple positions. 
And if the only reason that you have deficiencies in depth at, at certain positions is because guys are leaving for the NFL or getting drafted, or you've got large groups of special players that are moving on, that's a good problem to have. It's not really attrition in a bad sense. It's attrition that you want to have because your guys are playing well and, and you've just got to reload, reload behind them, but addressing them as, you know, as needed. All right, let's get to a few of these listener-submitted questions. Thanks to all you guys on YouTube. Give us a like uh, as you're watching this on YouTube, especially live people, um, 200 live people right now. So we appreciate all you guys. Uh, John asked, Jeremy and crew, given the recent commitments, what is the biggest area of need moving forward in the class? I'll go DB. What do you guys got? DB. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't really have a whole lot at the position committed right now. So they've got a lot of visitors out there. There's a lot of uh, – a lot of birds in the air, but they've yeah. got to get a couple of them landed. Yeah, well, and it's it, objectively their best pitch. Yes. It is objectively the best pitch they've got, the hottest thing they've got going right now. You want to see them maximize that. Uh, tight end might be close for me, um, just because I feel like that's a position that I don't think, you know, Henry Boyer I really like. We'll find out with Owen Anderson and, and Nathan, Nathan Gwynn again, apparently, uh, in, the, in the coming years. But I just feel like getting a kid like Conkle long-term is the type of athlete they, they need at that position. They need to add there. Um, all right, Fedigator asks, over under two, that some of these commits end up at a four-star at the end of their senior season. Ryan? Can we set that at 1.5? Yeah. 1.5, yeah. <laughs> I, I have the same request because it, it's tough for guys to, to really move up that far. But there's a couple guys that are borderline four-star that I think could do it. And, I mean, it, some of it depends on who commits. Like, we looked at that the uh, visitor list earlier and there's a lot of high three stars that are right on the border of four star status and I mean I think this staff has a great eye for evaluation I know a lot of people talked about James Kirkland and Lovey having a good eye and they there were some good finds that that Lovey brought in but I think this staff has a really good eye for for reliable football players that are just good football players you know it's not just bringing guys in based on traits they're bringing guys in that are also good football players and so there's a few guys I mean do I think that Brandon Hansen could potentially be a four-star? I mean, depending on what kind of senior season he has, maybe. Um, but usually it, it tends to be some of these defensive backs, maybe a wide receiver or a linebacker. I am curious to see when Easton Baker gets another look on that. Because, like, I can't watch that film and be like, nah, three-star. Yeah, for, like, you, for you and like, I, you and I, and I'm not trying to throw shade at our national team, but they, they base it based off the NFL draft. So they usually yeah. try and have, like, 250, 260 yeah four-star guys and i just I, I think we should be doing it more for college because that's where they're playing and i think what what gets a tyshawn griffin what gets an easton baker is they don't have that prototypical nfl size like tyshawn yeah. griffin's 511 165 easton baker 61212 easton baker was 63 230 i think he'd be a four-star um so that's why you know eddie turk to me is a four-star level prospect i think it's hard for an established kind of high floor guy like him to get back into that the guy I'd be interested if they do land would be a Ricky Knight or somebody like that. That, that Dalen could, Platt? Yeah, that could get to a, a four-star level. Yeah, and I mean, you also mentioned this too when you're when you're talking with Trey Petty's coach. Like, he was he was a firm believer that he'd have everybody all, all over him if he was just a couple inches taller. Yeah. But like him being just a little bit shorter, it's it just gave some programs some pause. But he's he's a player, and there are a lot of guys in this class that have that one thing that just kind of limits them from getting that boost in the rankings. But you just look at the way some of these guys play. And like, I, I let I let the film do the talking. The measurables, obviously, they're looking at it from a pro perspective and projectability down the line. Yeah. Like, But, 
as far as how they'll play at the collegiate level, there are a couple guys who I think could very well find that fourth star, or at least play up to a four star level. I should I should differentiate that. They may not get the ranking, but there are some guys who will absolutely play at a four star level. Yeah, and let's be honest, like Eddie Turk, you beat Miami for. Um, Easton Baker, you beat out Oklahoma for. Right, that's a, that's a pretty good. It, that's a pretty if good severe, one. if Zafir Stewart committed to Penn State, you want to bet he gets that fourth star? Oh, here I we mean, go. Yeah, <laughs> let him out. Let him ain't, out. Ain't, ain't wrong sometimes with that. Hey, if you commit to Illinois, you're automatically a three star. That's how, that's how it works. If you commit to Ball State, you're two star. That's, that's I, I, I think the the rankings, like I, I shouldn't say this because like they're not pointless. They're not meaningless. They no. matter. But like there's there's a it's a data point too, right? And, and the offer list is also a data point. And, and where you visit or where you've scheduled visits indicates a level of uh, of high interest between yep. a player and a program and a program and a play. All of those matter. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, well, it doesn't matter that Illinois doesn't get four stars. Four stars are good football players. Yes. Like, they're, they're really, really good football players. But like, I, I think if you want to look at it and be an end all, be all, then that's okay. But like, there's, there's so many other data points to, to try to digest and consume and, and like, just look like zoom out a little bit from the rankings from time to time. And I, I get it. Like I yeah. get the numbers. It's easy. Like, I understand it all, but there's a lot more there. Yeah, Ryan, like, you and I know there's three stars with traits and three stars maybe with not as great of traits. Like, when, when Alex Pauczewski came out, you and I were high on him. Or Nate Hobbs came out, you and I were high on him. Thinking, oh, this, this is a little bit better than the normal three-star. So I know people there just checking in. Like, there's a lot of three-stars in, in football. It's hard to sift through those guys, but I, I don't think all three-stars are created equal, <laughs> to be honest with you. No, there's, there's so many of them. I mean... I get it in the sense that you don't want another J.J. Watt. Like, everybody's afraid of this being the next J.J. Watt evaluator where it's like, oh, how did we miss on this two-star that's like a first ballot Hall of Famer? It's like, well, you know. It's better to have zero-star Devin Witherspoon than two-star. Like, it's better not to rate them than to have two stars on there for them. Yeah, and and, and there's just, as a result, there's, there's so many three-stars, and that three-star – pool has such a broad spectrum in it of guys that like will never do anything at say like a mid-major type school and guys that will play their way into the first round of the NFL draft like it happens um and to your point earlier when we were talking about this you you think there might or there should be more four stars and and I, I agree because if you look at like the number of guys that are getting evaluated you look at the number of guys in each kind of group of of ratings there's not really a whole lot of a gradient it's it's kind of like you got your small group of five stars you got a group of four stars and you got probably your huge pool of three stars but towards the top end of that there's plenty of guys that probably are deserving or should be in contention for a four star and it's just because you cap it somewhere that there's not a lot of them that end up crossing that threshold yeah all right, let's wrap up uh, two more here. Woo Poppy, who's upset about the Luke Williams. I get it. That, that one stinks. Could it be that Illinois kids feel like there's too much emphasis on Florida guys? I get that loss stings, but one, Florida is so talented. Two, this staff now has 23 in-state prospects since Brett Bielma got here. Again, they signed zero in 2020. Uh, they are doing much better in state. The high school coaches rave about them. The parents rave about them. The prospects take notice. Look at Eddie Turk's comments today. Uh, look at Tyshawn Griffin's comments yesterday of what I wrote. These guys feel the love from Illinois, but that gets you in recruiting battles, and you're not going to win all of them because 
Illinois is heavily recruited. It just so happened that Luke Williams had a really good relationship with Purdue. Purdue's got a really good sell with Ryan Walters and what he did here with safeties. Uh, and Joey, I think they're going to land one of these four defensive backs we saw. It's just going to play out. Like these guys are, are big time recruiting battles that sometimes take time to play out. Aiden Lawfrey took time to play out. Malik Elsey took time to play out. Um, so just because you don't get a commit right away, some of these recruitments go even into the fall. They do. And on the same token, when these guys go visit other places and don't commit right away, it means presumably your door is still open, yeah. right? I mean, as long as they're not committed, and it's really even Malik Elsey was committed, that didn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't I don't buy it. Like, I don't think anyone looked at Devin Witherspoon or, or looks at Taz Nicholson like, yeah, Florida guy. Well, yeah. Like, if, you, if you're a high level, like, you get here because there's a mental component to being here. Like, I think – if you're an Illinois guy or an Ohio guy or pick a state not in the state of Florida, you'd probably be a little pissed off, like right? Like I want to show I'm just as good as you are. Like that's just a mindset. It doesn't mean you don't like him or you think like, oh, we're being overlooked. Illinois is recruiting the heck out of the state, right. but you want to rise to that. Like that matters. Like that's a mindset that requires playing at this level is to, to think like that. Yeah, and Ryan, like this was a legit gripe, a gripe that we heard when Ron Zook was here, right? Because he did focus on Florida, especially later in his tenure. And then Lovey Smith, like we, I heard that all the time from high school coaches. Why is he spending all this time in Florida and Texas and not Illinois? And it wasn't just like, hey, he's recruiting Texas and Florida. How dare he? It was why doesn't he put time into Illinois? Like I get it, you're going to go to Texas and Florida to get some talent. There's a bunch of talent down there, but why don't we hear from him? Like that is not the case with this staff. I don't think it was the case with Tim Beckman's staff, but it's certainly not the case with Brett Bielma's staff. We're seeing that play out. Yeah, prioritizing other states was was far more of an issue back in like 2020. You know, you mentioned at times like Lovey Smith staff had this issue, Ron Zook staff had this issue, and it's not that you don't recruit your home state when the returns aren't there. And I, th- I think this kind of harkens back to a point you made earlier. It's like you're not going to win every battle, but you still have to recruit the home state regardless because just because you might not get the results this year in state doesn't mean that you won't get them the next year. Like some recruitments just break a different way. But when you, if you use not getting results in the state as a justification to go elsewhere, that's what creates that disconnect with the state. And so what, what, to your point from earlier, what Bielema has done in essentially two, two and a half years to mend fences and now start winning some of the state's better players. Now they're never going to clean up. Like you look at the top five in state, you know, Justin Scott's a national recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Williams was pretty much a shoe in for Notre Dame, otherwise, maybe Michigan. But like they're starting to win some of the battles. Not just in the top twenty-five, but they're they're starting to hit that middle like five to fifteen range and have some success there. But they still know that they're gonna have to go out of state to supplement. They can't get everyone from the state of Illinois. It's just yeah. not gonna happen. But they've made Illinois important enough part of their recruiting pitch that they have the roots here and they can go out to other states and supplement where there's abundance of positions like Florida. I mean, there's defensive backs growing on trees down there. And Texas is always a talent-rich state. Ohio's a talent-rich state. Illinois has had a lot of activity out in Jersey. Um, and, and they've got a staff that's got connections all over. I mean, Andy Boo is like the godfather of <laughs> just having having random connections in Kentucky and Jersey. Um, but they leverage those as needed, and they don't they don't really like abuse that. Like mm-hmm. they they start at home and then they branch out. And I think that's 
that's really what has helped turn this around from a roster building standpoint and helped rebuild a lot of those relationships that were so strained and so broken when Brett Bielema took over. Yeah, I just want to sound like this is a long way between striking out in your state and having to go somewhere else and supplementing with Florida or New Jersey or places that they've had success and they have those relationships. Like at the same time, you don't want to lose relationships you have in the state of Florida because you're only looking at the state of it. Like there's a balance there. And like we've had a lot of questions about four stars. I mean, if you can get a four star from Florida, who's batting an eye, right? I mean, so there's just a lot of or New Jersey, nuance like there. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to mention, speaking of four stars, Marquise Lightfoot had Illinois in his top six today. Uh, and I think he was going to have a top five. I think Illinois might have forced the issue a little bit and got themselves into this top six, thanks in large part to Charlie Bowen. Joey and I talked about this, I think, uh, last week on the podcast. But Marquise Lightfoot, top 100 prospect, edge rusher out of Chicago Kenwood. His top five is Ohio State, or top six, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, USC, Miami, Illinois. Can you be? A, can you imagine being like a a stranger, not knowing much about his recruitment, and seeing like the first five? Like, yeah, all right, all right, that checks out. And like to be in that conversation, and, and no one's trying to make moral victories if, if he inevitably goes elsewhere. But damn, to, to get in that conversation and try to push the the envelope for an official, if you can swing that, Charlie Bolin is a wild card for me for the next month and a half because I, well, I, I think he's good. I, I think we know he's good, but I. What if he pulls something? Like, we don't know. He, he is such a, a fascinating wild card moving forward. Yeah, so Lightfoot hasn't announced uh, a visit for Illinois, but Illinois is in the mix for one of his five official visits. He just visited Ohio State. They have a couple crystal ball picks in, in, in for him, including Steve Wiltfong, who's our national expert who rarely misses. USC, Miami. Um, I, I don't expect Illinois. Like, it's going to be tough for Illinois to land him, mm-hmm. right? But they've gotten in the conversation, and for me – I. I don't want to give up on this recruitment, but there's value in being in that mix when you're a high school prospect because a lot of these guys are transferring. You go to Ohio State, you go to USC or Alabama or wherever, and there's a lot of competition for those spots. And we've seen guys like Caleb Brown or A.J. Henning enter the transfer portal. So to be in the mix for these guys and be on top of his – like in the mix, Ryan, of his mind as a high school prospect can always pay off down the road too. Yeah, and you know, I, I want to point out a couple of things. One, I think Alan True caught up with him after he dropped that top six, and I've always been blown away by uh, Lightfoot's comments. They're just like they're way more thoughtful than I would have expected. Um, he's had a lot of great, you know, he's great insight. Really, really smart kid. I love yeah, you, you can tell he's thinking this through at more than just like surface level. Like, who could do the most for me? Like to make me, my name big. Like he's he's thinking about this pretty critically. Um, but he singled out Charlie Bullen as a huge reason and, and he and his family just they, they love Charlie they're raving about him and uh, so I, th- I think that's a testament to what Charlie's been doing but the other thing I want to point out too is and and I'll, I'll be honest it's probably a, a long shot for Illinois to land a guy like Marquis Lightfoot but I was su- I was surprised a couple days ago when I saw Stacy Gage one of the nation's top running backs spurned like power programs and committed to UCF like it's not out of the question that a guy might pick a school that's not the obvious choice and and go somewhere that he feels like he can really excel. Now, 
whether Marquise Lightfoot is willing to turn down a blue blood like an Ohio State or a Georgia to, to go to Illinois, I don't know if Illinois is quite there yet, but if they can do with Seth Coleman, Gabe Ackes, and Jared Beatty over the next couple of years what Charlie Bullen's been able to do with some of those guys he's coached in the NFL, you've got that sell then. I, I think defensive line's the next big sell they have. I didn't quite get a chance to touch on this last night, but defensive back is the sell they have right now and I think that's going to shift over to defensive line and next offseason is going to be when you're pitching the Johnny Newton's getting drafted, the Keith Randolph's getting drafted, the Seth Coleman's getting drafted the Gabe Ackes being an all-conference caliber player that's when that sell kicks in and they've got some guys in 2025 especially in state uh, don't want to go too in depth on it right now but they've got some guys in 2025 in state who that sell is going to be very very critical for yeah. And if they can have a successful year on the defensive line and at the edge position, that will go a long way, especially in state, uh, towards giving them a leg up as they get that class underway. All right, guys, we're over an hour, so let's get out of here. Sean says, puppies are the key. He's not wrong. More. Can't agree more. Ryan, Joey's got the hair looking sharp today. He does. Ryan, my guy. My guy, Ryan. Uh, jo- Joey, Joey's got all the products, man. Like, uh, it, it, if it's cold so outside, he, he's not wearing the no hat. hat. No, no hat. He can't, he can't screw that up. And I, I don't blame you, Joey. As somebody who does not have that problem, I, I don't blame you. I'll tell you what. It, it's the fun when we, the three of us in basketball go on trips, and, and Derek and I have plenty of of uh, the the product and, yeah. and try to try to look look presentable. Jeremy, simple guy, man. Get a little hat. Yep. Put a hat some on. Sunglasses. <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> ready to go. You just jump out of the shower. You're ready to go. Don't even have to worry about it. That's that's the nice thing. What a dream. About this. Hey, I used to spike it up back in those. Frosted uh, tips? Frosted Were t- your frosted tips? I had frosted tips once. Outstanding. Once. Same. Joey, we, get, the, we have to find a photo of The this. first girlfriend talked me into those. Uh, only had them for a month because that relationship did not last very long. Yeah, then, then I found my wife. Things turned the, out the, pretty good for you. The, the things men will do for women. <laughs> uh, but appreciate you guys. Uh you know, going an hour long, but what a big day for Illinois football. I know it wasn't a perfect day, and some of the chat are, are you know, upset about the Luke Williams thing, and I get it. Uh, but this is the expectation now for Illinois is, is to start winning some of those, and I think that says a lot about what Brett, Mule, Brett Bielma and his staff are, are doing in recruiting. But I do think it was a really strong day for their class of 2024. And, of course, we will cover all of it at IlliniInquire.com. Joey, we got so much content sitting here. We're talking to the high school coaches. I talked to a bunch of uh, guys today, Brett Carroll, Demetrius. I'm John. calling Carlos Orr when this ends uh, to get an update on on his commitment. Yeah. So, a lot of content, man. 60% off. Take advantage of it so much. Ryan's been film junkie for the last couple I, of weeks here. I feel bad we just buried Piper's story today of like five things in the office. I haven't even had the time to read it, but I'm looking forward to reading it. Uh, we're just overflowing at, at Illini Inquirer, so do check it out. 60% off. VIP deal for the next two days. You can sign up for that. It's obviously an exciting time for Illinois football and a big time for Illinois basketball as they've now started their off-season workouts. Thanks to all our YouTube live watchers and listeners. Give us a, a like on your way out. Uh, follow us. Uh, hit that subscription button. And... Uh, Hit the notifications button as well. And everybody listening on the podcast, appreciate you. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. For Ryan Easterling, Joy Wagner, I'm Jeremy Warner. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.
The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.